Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. How is everyone doing this morning? Happy New Year to you. Uh, so it's, it's kind of interesting kind of put it t- together a sermon for, for New Year's Eve um, and just trying to think about what would be helpful for you all as you enter into this new year. And uh, as I was thinking about this, I actually thought back to uh, a trip that my wife and I took a number of years ago. We were back visiting family in Northern Ireland. And uh, we went up to the north coast, and there's this rope bridge uh, that sits in the north coast of Northern Ireland called Carrickareed Rope Bridge. And uh, it was actually built in 1755, about 66 feet long. Uh, but the thing is, it hangs over about a 100-foot drop. Uh, down to the crashing Atlantic waves and, you know, some rocks and things like that. And uh, we managed to get across there without, you know, too much anxiety. Now, I've had a few conversations with a few of you, and I know that for some of you, it's on the bucket list to get to Northern Ireland, so I'd recommend that you, you go to the, the rope bridge. But there's probably three things that I would want to say to you as you, you step onto this rope bridge. One, uh, try and not really think too hard about what you're doing. Uh, it was built in 1755. It's had some renovations since then, but you're still going out onto these plaques of wood and, you know, and rope basically over this 100-foot drop. Uh, two, obviously, don't look down. And, and then three, if you're the kind of person that goes on those rope bridges and like starts to rock them back and forth, like, please don't do that. Spare thought for the rest of us. Um, but it got me thinking, though, as I was thinking about this, uh, this uh, trip that we took, and just standing on the edge of that rope bridge and just, you know, felt like you're kind of putting your life in the hands of the, the rope and the wood. It just got me thinking about today on New Year's Eve that we are standing on the edge of a new year. And I don't know about you, but this past year for me uh, and my family, it's had a mixture of joys and, and celebrations, but also challenge and some hardship. And so we, as we stand on the edge of a new year, we know that Probably this next year is going to be filled with similar, similar things. It can feel a little bit like standing on the edge of this rope bridge, a little bit daunting. And so what I want to do in the short time that we have together is just think about three things for you to remember. Three things for you to carry into this new year each day to come back to kind of an anchor for this new year. Before we do that, why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to have this time together. Lord, we, we thank you for uh, your goodness to us in this past year, the many ways that we've seen and the things that we haven't seen, that you, the ways that you've been working. Uh, we just want to say thank you. And we thank you for the reassurance, Lord, of your love, your presence, and your purpose in our life going forward into this next year. So would you come, work among us. We open up our hearts and our minds to you this morning. In your name, amen. So the first thing I want us to remember uh, this year is God's promise to us. 
And you might say to yourself, and you'd be right in saying it, well, there's plenty of promises in the Bible, and that's true, promises that speak of God's protection and his provision uh, of eternal life uh, with God through Jesus. But this promise in particular that I want us to think about, familiar though it might be, has the potential to truly change your life. Uh, it can change how we see God. It changes how we see ourselves. It changes how we see others. And it's this, God's promise of his love for you. God's promise of his love for you. And even as I say that, I know for some of you that you're thinking to yourselves, wow, that's, that's really groundbreaking. Well, thank you for that. I didn't know that. Uh, it's not the first time I've heard that in church. If you're anything like me in Sunday school, it was one of the first things that you learned. I remember getting these little pencils, you know, had the inscription like God loves you. But here's the thing. This is something that becomes so familiar to us that it can actually have little impact on our lives. In fact, for some of you hearing my voice this morning as I say this, it's actually pretty hard to believe that God loves you. And whether that's through something that you've done in your past, whether that's through things that you're experiencing right now, whatever it might be. But if there's one thing that the Bible reinforces numerous times over and over again, it's this, that God loves you. He loves you. I mean, you look in the Psalms and we see uh, this phrase, his love endures forever, forever. We go to the New Testament, we look in the writings of Peter, John, and, and Paul, and we see the everlasting love of God, this theme over and over reinforced. But the cool thing is as well that in the Bible, uh, it, it not only declares God's love, it shows us how he demonstrated that love. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or perhaps most famously, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But again, maybe some of you are thinking this is a bit little elementary, uh, a little too simplistic, a little too familiar. But as I said, this is something that can change our life. When you know that God, the creator of the universe, the one who sees your past clearly, the one who sees your present, the one who sees your future, all the failures that you will commit for the rest of your life, and yet he says, I love you. I love you. That's huge. We need to remember this morning as we head into 2024, his love isn't something we can earn. It's not something you can earn. It's not a level any, any given day that's gauged by what we do or we don't do. God doesn't withhold his love in our bad days and restore it on our good days. No, you see, his love is rooted in the unchangeable fact that you're made by him. That's a done deal. That's never going to change. And his love for you is rooted in that. Listen to uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8. He says this, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, 
neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's huge. Come back to that every day if you need to. Remember this truth that the Bible reinforces. So why am I starting with the love of God this morning? Well, as I said, this has the potential to change your life. Number one, it changes how we see God. And not only how we see him, it actually changes how we trust him, which is really, really important, obviously. I mean, think about it this way. Think of people in your life that you trust the most. I mean, those are probably the people that you feel like love you the most. They, they care for you. You see, love and trust, they go hand in hand. And if we have a hard time believing that God truly loves us, I think equally we're going to have a hard time yielding our lives to him, trusting him with every part of our lives, which is a huge thing of what it means to be in intimate relationship with God. One other thing I want to just say about God's love, I mean, I mentioned that in any given year we can go through various seasons and sometimes there's difficult seasons. But I've said this often that the cross, as we look to the cross, we see not only our salvation, but we see a statement about who God is in his love. And God's love can be an anchor for you as you walk through seasons, I don't know, maybe for some of you this morning, you're walking through things that, like I said, maybe make you doubt God's love for you. That things are really difficult. But the cross, it's, it's like this monument in history that we can come back to again and again and we can remember his love for us. That he is able to work good out of the darkest and most difficult of situations. And I want to let you know that I don't say that lightly. I know that there's often mystery in those kind of situations where we're asking God, like the psalmist, like, why? Why is this happening? And where are you? And, but I've often find uh, this quote from Oz Guinness quite helpful. He says, we may be in the dark about what God is doing, but we're not in the dark about who God is. We're not in the dark about who God is. He's revealed himself. He's revealed his love. And that can be an anchor for us. Um, God's love, it can also change how we see ourselves. It forms a, a solid basis for a sense of self-worth. And uh, often, I mean, we just have a tendency as human beings, our self-worth, we often try and find it in other things, whether our work and the things we accomplish or our giftings or the car we drive or the neighborhood that we live in or the clothes that we wear. But you can see why this is so important, rooting ourselves in God's love first and foremost. Because when we come to God and we realize his love for us, I realize my self-worth is found in him alone. I am loved by him. I'm made in his image. And what happens then? It means you go out into these other areas of your lives and you're not looking for that. You're not looking for that sense of self-worth or I need to prove myself in some sort of way. See, God's love, it forms an anchor for us, a solid basis 
for our sense of self-worth. And the lovely thing is then it begins to change how we see other people as well. We don't judge them in that way either. They are equally loved by God. But I want to say this uh, about God's love, because I feel like it's easy to take on a bit of a child's perspective of, of love. And I know not all children carry this, but I've seen it often, not only my own kids, but, you know, and others, where sometimes um, we equate love with approval. So um, maybe put it this way. So sometimes maybe if you say, uh, like a, a child thinks, if you approve of my behavior and my attitudes, then you love me. But then the moment you start to challenge those behaviors or attitudes, then they're like, you don't love me, you know? We equate love with, that, with approval. And yet, part of God's love for us is his discipline of us. Let me put it this way. God's love means that he accepts us as we are. Like the old hymn, we're coming as we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay as we are. Isn't that wonderful news? That God loves you in that way? That he sees you so clearly to know that in 2024, that we can say, God, would you love me? Would you discipline me? Would you prune me? Would you change me? Into the father, the husband, the employee, the son, that you want me to be. That's the love of God at work in our lives. It's not just about being accepted and welcomed and uh, our self-worth. It's actually about being disciplined. For what good parent does not discipline their child? One last thing on, on God's love. Knowing God's love for us, it changes how we see others. Listen to John writing in, in 1 John. This is what he says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. See, as we can't know and experience God's love and not realize that he loves others in exactly the same way. We can't experience God's grace in our lives, getting what we don't deserve, and not extend that same grace to others. When we experience God's unconditional love, we begin to see others as he sees them, and we begin to love them accordingly. Who are those people for you heading into 2024? Here here are the people in 2023 that you just thought, you know what, I'd be happy if I never see them, like, ever again. If I never even, you know, stand or sit in the same space. That's why thinking about God's love is so important. God so loved the world. Each person made in the image of God, it forms a basis for us to be able to love others. So, as you head into this year, as you're standing on the edge of this new year today, remember God's love. It changes how we see him. It changes how we see ourselves. It can also change how we see others. But the second thing for us to keep in mind as we step out into this new year is God's presence with us. 
his presence with us. Listen to uh, King David. He writes about God's presence this way. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. See, the truth is there's nowhere that we can go outside of God's presence, his omnipresence in the universe. Even Neil Armstrong stepping down on the moon all those years ago, he was in the presence of God. Uh, If we ever get to Mars, the presence of God will be there uh, for whoever goes there. And that's reassuring, you know? That's reassuring. You know, thunderstorms are, uh, they're quite common here, certain times of the year. Uh, But what doesn't make it any easier for a lot of kids, I know for my kids, often, you know, when there's storms going on outside, they, you know, they'll run into your room because they want that sense of comfort and security that you provide as as a loving parent. And... uh, even as a family, I feel like we've, we've gone through a number of situations where there has been that fear that starts to rise up in you. Um, uncertainty. And the presence of God in those situations has brought such comfort to us. And some of you, you might be asking, well, Will, how do you even know like God's presence? Like, what does that even look like? Well, sometimes I feel like, maybe you've heard the line where where Paul talks about a peace that transcends all understanding. Sometimes we experience a peace in a situation which just shouldn't be there. We experience a calm in the midst of craziness, kind of like being in the eye of a hurricane. And yet, do you know what? I feel like one of the most remarkable, profound experiences of God's presence in my life has been in his practical provision both in the small things and the big things. It feels like his practical provision. It's almost like God's calling card in our life, you know? We may be in the the midst of a situation that's quite difficult, and yet we begin to see these little calling cards of God in our situation. And receiving the practical provision is amazing. I mean, we've received some really crazy, miraculous things in our lives, and it's been amazing because when you get something practical, it can really change a situation, right? But in those situations, the most meaningful thing for me was what it said of God's presence with us. It was almost like with every provision, it was like he was saying, I'm here. I haven't abandoned you. I'm true to my word, and I'm right here with you. But as followers of Jesus, there is a deeper experience of God's presence that we can know in our lives beyond his omnipresence in the universe. Listen to the, some of the last words Jesus spoke to his disciples before his ascension. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And many of you feel No, this is the Great Commission, our mission as followers of Jesus, but it doesn't end there. There's one more line that Jesus adds. He says this, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he's pronouncing a commission over them, but he also knows the kind of things that they're going to face as his followers in persecution, but also just living life in a broken world. And he knew that for us as well. He knew that he, we would need his empowering, encouraging, life-changing presence. But wait a second. What? Wasn't he just about to leave? This feels like a really strange thing to say to your disciples as a promise when literally moments later you're about to ascend to heaven and physically leave them. Seems like a strange thing to say until we look earlier in John 14 and he says this, If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Just a few verses later, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Make our home with him. Isn't that just mind-blowing? The God of the universe, holy, almighty, powerful, majestic, makes our home in us. I want to just say that if that doesn't resonate with you, at times it really doesn't resonate with me. I don't know whether it's just a familiarity, getting familiar with it, but I encourage you, I challenge you just to sit with this as you head into this new year. And just dwell on this. God himself, the Holy Spirit, is within me. But here's the thing. This isn't just a thing about proximity. Uh, God's presence with us. As comforting as that is, it's about his transformation of us. His Holy Spirit within us, changing us. As we head into this new year, let me just tell you, Ridge, there is hope of change in your life. There is hope of change in your life. That's an amazing thing. I think one of the greatest miracles ever that we ever see is the changing of a heart. It's one of the, the wonderful things about the gospel that says, it doesn't say this, it doesn't say come and try and be the best version of yourself and God will accept you and love you. No, it says come broken as you are and you can experience the change in your lives by the power of the Holy Spirit to be changed into the likeness of Jesus. Man, what a hope to carry into 2024. What a wonderful, wonderful hope. So remember God's present, God's promise of his unending love Remember his presence with us. And the last thing I want us to remember is God's purpose for us. God's purpose for us. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. 
through him and for him. I think this, this verse right here, it gives us a great starting point, not only for the year, but actually for each day. I mean, just if you're wanting a motto for each day, being able to wake up and saying, I am made by you, I am made for you. Lord, would you use me today in whatever way you see best? You will never regret any moment in your life that you fully surrendered yourself to God. In fact, probably the moments that we'll regret most are the moments that we didn't, where we feel like we kind of took the wheel and, or took the reins in our life. We were made by him and for him. Who else could we look to to find not only our general purpose for our lives, but also our unique purpose for our lives, but the one who made us? So I got this picture right here. I don't know if anybody knows. Anybody know who this is? I actually don't know who it is. Um, but, uh, but I do know what he's driving. Uh, he's driving a very famous vehicle. It's called the Quadricycle. Uh, it was made by Henry T. Ford of Ford fame. And uh, when he's 32 years old, he made this vehicle. He sold it for $200, and, uh, which is quite a lot of money at that time. And uh, I don't know whether he knew how significant this was going to be. Uh, it had like a couple of gears and, you know, the fir- one of the first automotive vehicles. And uh, whenever I see inventions like this are really groundbreaking, I often think about the first time that they shared the invention, you know, with some friends. And so I, I think of him pulling this thing up, you know, to some of his friends. And he's just like, well, what do you guys think? I mean, I've been working pretty hard on this. And and you can imagine them just kind of walking around just like, what is this? And maybe jumping on it, kind of grinding through the gears and uh, looking for somewhere to pedal or like Fred Flintstone style, like with your feet. And, uh, and then Henry just jumping on and seamlessly changing the automotive industry, uh, you know, from that day forward and just seamlessly kind of moving forward in this vehicle. He knew exactly how it was meant to work. I mean, he made the thing. He'd been working on it for years. And I think this is a helpful illustration for us to think about our relationship with God as our creator. If there's one thing that you need heading into this life, if there's one thing that God has made you for, it is purpose in your life. It is a sense of vision in your life. And who better to turn to than the one who made you, the one who formed you, there's lots of ways that we can find that general purpose in our lives. I mean, a great place to start, just looking in the Gospels, looking at the life of Jesus, reading the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, there's so much there that tells us how we're meant to live as human beings. Or you might be saying, well, Will, that's all good, but what, what about a unique purpose for my life? I mean, has God gifted me with, for particular things and tasks? Well, yes, he has. And a great starting point for discovering those is actually living out our general purpose, following the example of Jesus in our lives. So I want you to remember as you head into this year, God has purpose for your life. Don't underestimate the places that you frequent. Thinking of your workplaces, coffee shops, gyms, like Wherever else you go, pickleball like courts or what, whatever it might be, school, don't underestimate those places that you frequent because God is at work in those places. And you've been placed for a purpose there. 
we are the plan. We are God's plan to see his kingdom come. So as you stand on the edge of this new year, remember that, God's purpose for your life. So in just over 12 hours, we're going to be welcoming in uh, a new year. As you stand on the edge of this new year, I encourage you to remember these three things. One, God's promise to us of his unending love. Two, God's presence with us always. And then three, God's purpose for us. Being open to where he has placed us for his purposes. Let's pray together. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday. And we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. And also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.